You are listening to the podcast of Richland Hills Baptist Church. We are located in Richland Hills, Texas. Our desire here is to believe, live, and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. As you're listening to our podcast today, if you have any questions, you can find us on the web at richlandhillsbc.com. God bless you. This morning, we will be beginning a, a new series a little different than we normally do over the last several months. We've gone through the book of James together. And this week, we're going to begin a six-week series, kind of an, an overview, if you will. It's called Foundations. And as we consider this idea of foundations, the idea is that we want to look at and consider a Christian worldview. What it means to see the world in a certain way, to see the world from a Christian lens or a biblical lens. As we think about foundations, the idea is that there are certain things that we believe that will give us a Christian worldview. Now, we'll talk about some of those in the next six weeks. But one of the reasons why I want to to do this series now is because we seem to be in a time of a significant shift in our culture and morality. We're in a significant shift where it seems, in a lot of ways, it seems very disorienting for us to live in a world that seems to have shifted so much. And our reflex in this time is for us to say, well, it's just, it's worse and worse. Things are worse. And maybe you feel that way, that things are much worse than they used to be. And in some sense, you might say that or be tempted to say that, but the reality, if you look at the, if you look at the world through the years and the millennia, a lot of really bad things have happened. There's really nothing new under the sun, is there? So the things that are happening have now really have happened through the millennia. So it's not necessarily that things are worse. But what I want to argue this morning to you is not that they're worse, but now there is a different worldview. There's a different way of seeing morality. There's a different way of seeing humanity than you and I have experienced before. You see, in our nation, we have have been fortunate to have been in a nation that has, again, been at least founded to some degree on Judeo-Christian values, the worldview. Now, were all founders Christians? No, but there was a sense that our nation was founded on a biblical ideas. The language of our founders was biblical. They used biblical imagery, biblical ideas. But now, we live in a time where that worldview is no longer the most dominant. We live in a time, especially if you live in the Bible Belt, where it seems like that worldview has been prominent for so long and we're in a time where that is rapidly changing now this is not a doom and gloom sermon for us to say look how bad things are we have plenty of that 
This is actually a sermon that's the opposite in the sense it's a very hopeful series. You may say, why? How could that be hopeful? Because I believe that we are, in this time, we are primed to have a great missionary effort in our culture. We are primed to be able to share the gospel in ways that we have never had before. And part of the reason I believe that is when you live in the Bible Belt, when you live in a culture where there are a lot of people who claim to be Christian, right? There's a lot of people who know the language. Well, sometimes that can be very hard to reach people in that kind of culture because everybody thinks they're Christian. Everybody thinks they're good because they go to church or grandma goes to church or or dad's a deacon, whatever it may be. But there's a lot of people who just culturally think they're okay. But now, that has shifted, and now there are people that don't claim Christianity, so you and I have prime opportunities to share with people who will not just claim to be Christians anymore, but now we can share with clarity And I believe that this is a time for this gospel proclamation. And so this series is meant for us to look at some of the foundations, what we believe as Christians, but then also see what does does the world believe? What is this new shifts in worldview? What do they say about these things that we hold dear so that we can speak to them? This morning I want you to open your Bible to Genesis chapter 1. And then if you want to mark just with your finger or your bookmark, John chapter 1. So Genesis chapter 1 and John chapter 1. This morning we are going to consider God as our creator. But before we get there, uh, Alex, there was some artwork on there that had some columns. Could you see if you could put that up? Very good, okay. You may not be able to see all of these, but I just want you to, I want to give you an overview of where we'll go the next six weeks. You see worldview, what we believe, and here you have six columns that are sort of a foundation, if you will. First, we're going to look at creation, but specifically the creator. Then we'll see creation, mankind, people, what does it mean to be a human, a person, and What does the worldview say about the value of people? Then we'll look at the fall, sin, human sinfulness. How how do we understand sinfulness? And how does the world understand that? Redemption, being saved through Jesus Christ. Mission, the purpose that you and I have as God's people. How, How does that conflict with the world? And then eternity, our hope. And so over the next six weeks, these are some elements that we will see. But we'll look at Genesis chapter 1 now. We'll look at verses 1 through 2. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the deep of the waters. Father, may you give us insight and wisdom and direction. Help us, Lord, to know and understand 
But you are our creator. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So as we consider this passage of Scripture, one of the foundational passages that tells us about God creating. Think about the significance of that. The Bible begins with that phrase. God created the heavens and the earth. Imagine if you had never read the Bible before. You pick it up. You don't know what this book is. No idea. And the first line is, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Like that's meant to pack a punch right at the beginning. It tells us at the beginning what all of this is about, that God created this. God made it. It's in the beginning. But I want us to kind of see several things in that that tell us, again, some theological truths, but also will help us to understand why this matters. The first thing I want you to see is when it says in the beginning, I want you to know and understand that the earth in the universe and all the matter, all the things that make up stuff, everything had a beginning. The earth and the universe and all the stuff had a beginning. Now, God has always existed. God has no beginning. But the universe, all the things that make it up, all the atoms, all the, again, all the matter, everything else had a beginning. It's not eternal. Now, you may say, well, that, that doesn't matter to me. Well, it matters because there's a logical truth and doctrine and idea that says God created from nothing. Ex nihilo is the Latin. That God made everything out of nothing, which means that God did not have something to work with. God didn't have some matter like Play-Doh, like a kid might play with Play-Doh, right? You say, play with Play-Doh, you make something. They make something. But what if you sat a kid down at a table, you gave them nothing, you say, I want you to make something. They say, well, give me the Play-Doh. No, no, you can't have the Play-Doh. You can't do that, right? That's, that's silly, but it's the truth. But God created everything out of nothing. God brought everything into existence by his very word. And that truth is so important because it tells us the power of God. Now, you may have heard this story. It's just a made-up story of a scientist. And he stands before God one day and he says, You know, God, we, we scientists, we have really come a long way. We can do everything that you can do now, God. Everything that you can do, we have, we have learned and understood how we can do it. And God says, okay, let's have, a, let's have a challenge. Each of us, we will make a human. And so God began. And God had some dirt and made a new person right there. 
And the scientist says, hey, I can do that too. And he went down and he picked up the dirt. And God said, wait a second, get your own dirt. <laughs> you see, scientists can come a long way. But they can't create out of nothing. And so God has created everything from nothing. This is only reserved for the divine. You see, that's the challenge that you'll see with different worldviews is trying to understand how things came into being, how matter came into being, all these things. That is a worldview issue for other worldviews. And really, it's a philosophical question that oftentimes scientists will try to address, but it really goes beyond science. It's that deep philosophical question. How did everything come into being? And we know in Scripture that God created everything. Now, the second thing you'll see is, again, that God created out of nothing, but then we'll see that God created. God made it. This is essential to a Christian worldview, that God created everything. Now listen, we will have debates about how and how long and all these things, and we can talk about that. But those debates about how long the earth, old the earth is, and those are secondary to the truth that God made everything. God created, do you see that there? God created the heavens and the earth. God made it all. The stars, the, the galaxy, the universe, all the things that exist in the in the sky that we can't understand and fathom God made it those beautiful colors that we see all around made it. the the ocean in the depths of the ocean do you realize that we know less about the depths of the ocean than we do the the universe the space we know very little about the ocean and yet God made it I mean, everything that there is, God has made it perfectly. You may say, wait a second, pastor, things aren't perfect. How can you say that God made it perfectly? You see, we'll get there. But God's creation is perfect, but there's a thing called sin. And sin has marred much of what we see, even in creation. We'll get there in a few weeks, but God's essential design is perfect. Have you ever considered how intricate and perfect God's creation is? The place of where the earth is is in the perfect place for life to exist. The temperature on the earth is perfect for life to thrive and exist. The order that we have, our weather is ordered. Guess what? Even even what we call severe weather in storms and hurricanes and tornadoes, guess what? Many of those are predictable. You can understand when they will come, right? There's a hurricane season. Even those type of things, there is an order. Think about the order of life. Your grass will begin to grow in the spring after dormant winter. 
Think about all that you see. Imagine with me for a moment if there was no order. If everything was random. If everything just happened just whenever and however. It was 32 degrees today and 110 degrees tomorrow. Sometimes that does happen around here. But imagine if it's just chaotic. Life could not exist. It's that order that God has brought that has made life possible. Have you ever thought about how intricate and perfect the human body is? The human eye? Your hand? All the things that are in your body make it work. Your ability to think and process your ability to move and all create and make. I mean, think about how perfect that is. And we believe that God created that perfectly. We're not accidents. It's perfect. The other picture of that, when we think about God creating, is that in this idea of God creating, we also see a picture of the Trinity. When we talk about the Trinity, we speak of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We speak of the Christian truth that God is one, but there are three persons within the Godhead. Not three gods, all one God. And in creation, we see that. First, we see that I believe in the very word for God in the Hebrew is Elohim. The word Elohim is a, has a plural sense to it. Now, not plural in the sense of gods. They understood it to be one God. But a plural that speaks to God's majesty. And I believe it speaks to His Godhead. That Elohim, within that word, I believe, can carry the weight of the Trinity. Then later when it says, when God says, let us make man. Let us make man in our image. Speaks to the Godhead. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. You say, Pastor, I don't know that I totally see where you're going with this. Go back over, hold your finger in Genesis still, but I want you to go back over to John chapter 1. Say, what did Jesus have to do with creation? Well, I'm glad you asked. John chapter 1 is really very similar to Genesis chapter 1. There's a parallel there. Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning. John chapter 1, in the beginning. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. John says, in the beginning was the Word. The Word refers to Jesus Christ, the divine Logos. And we see that in Scripture, that this 
This doctrine here, he says, listen, this the word, Jesus, he was in the beginning and all things were made through him. So you think of God the Father as the creator, and then creation is made through the Son, Jesus Christ. There's other verses that point to that. Colossians 1, 15-17. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by Him all things were created in heaven and earth, invisible, visible and invisible, thrones, dominions, rulers, authorities. All things were created through Him and for Him. And He is before all things. And in Him all things hold together. Jesus existed before creation. The creation that He would create with the Father. And in Hebrews 1, 2-3, you can write that down. There's more as well. And so we see the Son's role in creation. But then you say, well, where does the Holy Spirit come in? Did you see verse 2 of Genesis chapter 1? The earth was formed without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. So right there we see the the Spirit's activity in creation. The Father, the Son, and the Spirit. God created. This is another reason why we believe in the divinity of Jesus Christ. Because God created, and the gospel writers tell us that Jesus created, which must mean that Jesus is God. And so this is an important doctrine as we think about having a Christian worldview. We believe, yes, we may have debates and ideas about the specifics, but the big things that we believe that God created everything. He created it out of nothing. It didn't exist here before. It didn't randomly appear. God created it. You say, why does this matter, though? Like, why does it really matter, Pastor, where, where all of this comes from? I mean, can't people just believe anything? And does it really matter if they believe in Jesus? Why does it matter where all this comes from? I believe it matters because everything flows from the doctrine that God created. You see, when you take that out, and we'll get there, when you take that out, when you say God didn't create in other things, there is now going to be out of order. Let Let me give you some examples. The fact that God created gives us value and purpose. You see, God created specifically, and He created for a purpose. We are created to glorify God. God did not create because He was lonely. He didn't have to. God did it for His glory. But the fact that God created with order and in order means that there is a purpose behind God's design. We have some people in here that have been engineers. When an engineer, a designer, when they create something, they create it for a purpose. 
It could be an entertainment purpose, a, a work purpose, but there's a purpose. Creators create on purpose. And so God's design, now there's a purpose behind it, which means that all of us now have a purpose. Value. You and I have value. Why? Because God created us. He made us. We're not accidents. We'll look at that more next week. We have value. If you take God out of the picture, then our value and our purpose will be a lot different. Here's a big one. Morality. Morals. Right and wrong. They flow from the truth God created everything. Morals come from the Creator. God has created a moral order in the universe. Meaning that there is objective truth. There is right and there is wrong. Something is actually right and it can be actually wrong. There is a distinction there. There's a moral order to everything. And we'll see that in a minute, why that's important. But it is important because we understand that right and wrong does not come from whether you decide right and wrong. Right and wrong comes from God. He decides what is right and wrong. You don't decide what's right and wrong. I don't decide what is right and wrong. God decides what is right and wrong. And this is a huge one. And this is going to be what we see the change in our society. But morality is objective. There is truth. Knowledge. Knowledge comes from God. God who knows all things. The ability to know and understand, I believe, comes from God. It's not an accident. Art and beauty are also gifts from God. You see, I, I believe that without God, without purpose, then art and beauty would become meaningless because there's no purpose to anything. So much through history, art and beauty, I believe, pointed to a creator. Because look at all this, right? Look at everything. Look at the beautiful things God is also an artist and our ability to think and dream and create and make comes from God and so all of these things there's many more everything flows down from God if you take God out then these things begin to wither away and so for so long our culture our country and many countries have been based on this type of worldview consider the declaration of independence we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal that they are endowed by their creator with unalienable rights that among these are life liberty and the pursuit of happiness. Endowed by who? Creator. 
Now again, not all of the founders were Christians in that traditional sense. And obviously our country has erred in a lot of ways and there have been many things done that shouldn't have been. But I believe that it's our biblical worldview that has always brought us back to the side of truth and justice. Yes, there's times that we have strayed away, but it's this biblical worldview that has brought us back that, yes, we are all created and made. We all have value. We all have rights. Freedom is not a human invention. It is of God. God has created free will. And so here we see our culture. But now, there's a shift. Our worldviews, and this hasn't happened overnight, but I do believe it's accelerating through the last, even last decade. With the change in technology and the ability for information to be shared. There's a new understanding, if you will. Now, when you think about a foundation... When you think about something that holds up a building or you think about columns, think about a bridge and everything, the columns that hold up a bridge, sometimes there is stress that happens to a foundation. And if it's a good foundation, it will be able to withhold the stress. If it's a well-made bridge, it will be able to withhold the stress. If it's a poorly made bridge, then the stress that happens, it will crack it and break it. And I believe now that our worldviews, the things that we believe are now being stressed, a predominant worldview that we see now is that of naturalism. Or the idea that we exist not by a creator, but by the product of millions and billions of years of incremental changes. That's the basic idea. There were billions of years, through little changes, little changes, all these billions of years, you and I, we're here today. You might say, okay, pastor, people believe that. Big deal. Well, here's the big deal. That has now shifted from a minority view, now I would say to close, getting closer to a majority view. Why does it matter? Consider all the things that we just mentioned. If there is no God... If God didn't make us and we're just a product of millions and billions of years, then there is no greater purpose to anything. You have no real purpose. Someone might say, wait a second, I have purpose because I have decided to have purpose. You see, without God, your purpose, that's all that it is. It's whatever you want it to be. But there's no overarching purpose to anything government to family to education there's no greater purpose in our society we're all just individually deciding our purpose this group says the purpose of 
education is this, and the other group says this, and you see what's going to happen is we're going to have more and more conflicts. Because as Christians, we understand that our, our purpose is tied into God. And we do not exist for ourselves. Morality. If there is no God, then there is no objective morality. Think about that. If there is no God, then there is no right and wrong. Right and wrong is what you decide to be right and wrong. It's based on the individual or the culture. It's not based on a standard. So if this culture here says it is okay to do X, Y, or Z, that's fine because they decided it. If there is no God and you decide that you want to, you want to do something that people don't like, well, it doesn't matter. You've decided it's right for you. When you take God out of the picture, there's no standard. Society can't function that way. You see, society, our laws, the way that we govern is built on the fact that there is right and wrong. There is objective truth. Why is murder wrong? Is it wrong just because a group of people said it's wrong? No, murder is wrong because it goes against God's created order. God himself has said it's wrong. Stealing, is it just wrong because, well, you shouldn't do that because it's people's stuff? No, it goes against God's created order, and God has said stealing's wrong. Adultery, is that just wrong because we just live in a cult? Maybe there's a culture somewhere else where you can commit adultery and it's no big deal. Is adultery wrong just because we said it's wrong? No, adultery is wrong because it goes against God's order. And he said it's wrong. You can go down the list. Morality is not based on you or me. It's based on God. And what is becoming to happen is that more and more the things that that we know and believe are wrong are now being questioned. The things that for generations we knew that this is wrong. And now there's new cult, new generations that rise up and say, no, that's not wrong. That's right. And then the things that we said are right now are being questioned. Well, that's not right. That's wrong. We're living in a time of moral change i believe you see this very specifically in issues of gender sexuality the issues revolving around life and abortion all these things right are now being questioned you might say well i know what i believe i'll give you a test if you have grandchildren or great-grandchildren, you ask them about some of these things, about why is this right or why is this wrong. Just ask them. And you'll find that many of our children and grandchildren 
they don't really have a biblical worldview anymore. They'll say, well, that's right or that's wrong because, well, it's just wrong. But they, it's hard to articulate now that it's right or wrong because God says. And so our morality is changing. Art and beauty and entertainment. You might say, well, Pastor, why does that matter so much? You see, art has always been an expression. I believe an expression of this God-created, God-order that He has given us. This ability to create and think. It's an expression of God's order. And so through millennia, whether it's literature or music or in modern times, movies, whatever it may be, there is a point and purpose to it. But now, have you noticed that entertainment has shifted from exploring some of these things that God has put inside of us, but now it has descended into carnality and vulgarity. Now, comedy is not because it is the wit that's involved or the funny things that people say. It's just vulgar that gets the laughs. And even our understanding of beauty has shifted. Again, to the profane. You remember reading about the, in the Roman Colosseum? Their entertainment was to watch bloodshed and death. And we look and say, wow, that's, that's so foreign. I don't think we're that far from that anymore. Because we've descended, we've taken God out of our understanding and now, it's whatever pleases the flesh. Whatever pleases our fleshly desires. Now, is the point for me to get up here and to say all this and then to rail against our culture and say, look how bad it is, and preachers can do that. Say, look at the evils of the world, and, and I could stand up here and I could get real loud and condemn the world. But I don't believe that's the point at all. You see, I believe the reason I'm bringing this up is not so much for us to be cultural warriors. You've heard that phrase before. And for a long time, we were cultural warriors, and we were fighting these battles and trying to fight all these battles and get people to, to be on our side, to win. I believe now we are called to be cultural missionaries. Not warriors, but missionaries. Missionaries for the gospel, and then also missionaries within that of understanding our basic worldview. You see, we can win the battle of ideas, but we should be trying to win the battle of the human heart. And I believe that's where the cultural wars have oftentimes failed, is because we tried to win the battle, but we didn't win the hearts and minds of people. Maybe we were able to score points on television, but did we win the hearts of people? 
Do you know who has won the hearts of people in the last several decades? Hollywood. Not us. Have you ever imagined how much Hollywood has changed culture? It's stunning. And why have we not? It's because we haven't reached the hearts of people. We've been angry and bitter oftentimes. We've railed against culture, but we haven't reached people with the gospel. You see, that's the whole point of this series is that, listen, here's the worldview. Now we're dealing with a different way of understanding. But the answer is still the same. It's Jesus Christ. And so now we are dealing with generations of people that do not believe that God created everything. Like, I say this very reverently, but there are many of you who in the next 10, 15, 20 years, you won't be here anymore. That's reality. I'm sorry to say that. I mean, some of you hope to live to 120, I guess, but you're not going to be here. There's going to be a new generation that does not believe that God created everything. It's coming, and it's changing the world. And so the answer, though, is Jesus. You see, He is the answer. The answer's always been the answer is not arguing. The answer is not trying to force people to believe this or that. The answer is not even trying to put God back in the public sphere, which we would all love. That's not the answer. The answer is Jesus. Because there have been many people who can publicly you know, hear the Bible read to them, but if they don't believe in Jesus Christ, it doesn't matter. And so the answer is for you and I, individually, that you and I, that we would be people that would share the hope of Jesus Christ. That you and I are sinful people, but yet through faith in Jesus Christ, we can have life. And as someone begins to understand that truth, then I believe through the Holy Spirit and discipleship, then these worldview changes will begin to shift. That's how we will be able to reach people. And the reason for this is for you to understand that when you start talking to somebody, we're not always talking the same language anymore. You have to learn how to talk to people who don't believe that God created everything. You have to learn how to talk to people who don't believe that humans have intrinsic value. You have to learn how to talk to people who don't believe in sin. You have to learn to talk to people who don't believe that we have a purpose and mission. You have to learn to talk to people who don't believe in life after this life. Are you ready? Are you ready to be a cultural missionary? And do you know who you can be a cultural missionary to it's your family. Oftentimes we think of evangelism as going door to door and on the street corner, and those are all good things. But guess what? 
you can be a cultural missionary to your family, to your grandchildren, your nieces, your nephews, your children, your in-laws, your outlaws, whoever it may be. Are you ready? Are you ready to be those cultural missionaries? Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth that you have created and made all things. You are the master designer and maker. All of this, Lord, comes from you. And Lord, I pray that this would give us a spirit of worship. God, you have made all of this. We are not accidents. Lord, that there's order and purpose, right and wrong, God, and we thank you for that truth. Lord, I just pray that this morning that this would motivate us to reach the people around us. Lord, maybe it would motivate us to, to begin to speak more to our grandchildren and our children about what they believe and what they don't believe. Lord, give us the wisdom as we speak to a people that don't understand in the same way that we do. But Lord, above all, I pray that our desire would not be to win a war or win an argument, but that we desire to win hearts. Hearts to the gospel. Lord, if we win an argument but don't win a heart, what have we really won? And so I pray, God, that you would show us, guide us, and lead us. Lord, if there's anyone here that has never trusted in Christ, never put their hope in Jesus, I pray, Lord, that you would move according to your purpose. Thank you, Lord, for being that great creator. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.